Hey everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today's show, Ace Edwards joining us of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast to look back at the 2022 season that was for Kansas State, an incredibly successful season, a Big 12 championship season for the Wildcats. What does it mean for them this year and moving forward into the new Big 12? You are Locked On Big 12. Your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, joined today by Ace Edwards. Uh, you guys can find both of us on Twitter. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find him at Ace. It's basically Ace Edwards, no second E, right? We take out yeah. the second E, A-C-E, and then the rest, Edwards, zero, zero. You guys can find Ace there. You guys can find Locked on Big 12 on your podcast, as well as Aggieville Alley Cats. You guys can find Locked on Big 12 on YouTube. Please subscribe. All right, Ace, so we talked before the season, and uh, the thing I appreciate the most about Kansas State's year is that people did see this coming. People did see an opportunity for them to have an awesome season. They had a nine-win regular season a 10-win season if you count the Big 12 championship game. And obviously they went to the Sugar Bowl. That one didn't go very well. But, uh, you know, it's pretty rare, in my opinion, for groups like K-State when there was so much momentum behind them, not picked to go to the top, but still, like, everybody was picking them by the time the season rolled around. And for them to meet expectations, you know, in terms of how the year went along, I mean, that's that does not happen, I think, very often for programs like K-State, especially when you think about stuff like, oh, you, people did potentially see this thing coming. Yeah, I think that whenever you you start talking about the expectations of being a dark horse, it becomes like how often does a dark horse actually live up to expectations and how much of it is just people at the beginning of the season wanting to you know get takes out there. And K-State did become the 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 spicy pick to end up making the the big 12 championship except for in the middle of the season when it became KU. So all credit to them, but <laughs> it, uh, I'm a K state MU fan. So there, there's a little bit of jest there, Yes, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was, and that's something that K state has had a, a little bit of trouble with in the past, just historically is living up to expectations. It's, it's kind of like the, in a sense, it's kind of like Oklahoma state where sometimes you have, like they'll, they'll just do the exact opposite. Like Okie State was projected to have a down year last year, ended up in the Big 12 championship, literally inches away from winning. They were expected to go back. Obviously, that didn't go well as well this year. But K-State being that dark horse and actually making it to the Big 12 championship, that was that was huge to live up to that expectation, even within the fan base. Yeah, and it, you know, you you mentioned Oklahoma State's really funny because the really good Oklahoma State team as of late was supposed to be the 2020 team, right? I mean, that was the team that, you know, it was, it was interesting because obviously COVID drilled a little bit of that, but that team did not play as well as I think a lot of a lot of us thought they were going to. And K State did. I I think what's interesting about this season in particular is, um, the way that like the setbacks occurred. Like they were, they were marked, right? You know, the yeah. two lane game is the first setback. And I think the two lane game embody a lot of things that people like myself were worried about. Um, when your offense is limited in the way that Kansas State's was with Adrian Martinez, like, or I guess here's the way to put it. If you take out the risk 
taking part of Martinez's game, you will limit your offense. That is, that's how it's going to work. And credit to Lane, they played well, but it didn't look like K-State really gave themselves a chance to win in that game. You bounce back and then, and then we had the Oklahoma game, which was Adrian yeah. Martinez, like <laughs> the proclaimed favorite game he's ever played before. And it's kind of funny to see how the season progressed. Yeah, the TCU game, which was a setback because of all the injuries and whatnot that happened the first time around. Then TCU, obviously, they're, they're really good at jumping on opportunities, and they did. And then the Texas game was the inflection point of, we got to go to Will Howard. It needs to be Will Howard. And so I think with the way the season was marked, it's interesting to see how all three of their, you know, the falls kind of occurred along the way. Yeah, I, I think if you talk to to anyone in the in the K State fan base after the the Tulane game, it was kind of just this collective meltdown because this is before we knew Tulane was good. This right. was very much before we knew that they would end up beating USC in the, in the Cotton Bowl, I believe it was. Yeah, and. You know, so that was a, a big down point. And a lot of that was, you said it, it was Adrian Martinez being way too conservative. The one throw that he made downfield, Connor and I, uh, my co-host, we ended up speculating later on that he was literally told, don't look anywhere else. You just throw this ball. If it's an incompletion, it's an incompletion. If it's a pick, it's a pick. Throw the ball. And that was the one touchdown on the day to Cade Warner in the back of the end zone. But it... And then you go through the the other losses. TCU, it, it wasn't just injuries. That was a big part of it. But a lot of it was, you know, we ended up falling a little bit behind uh, the sticks a couple of times. A bad play call here with uh, the third string quarterback being asked to throw across the field. And object, it's, it's weird to say that, like, if you look at it from a purely objective standpoint, Texas is the quote unquote worst loss of the season for K-State because that was a home game. Uh, the score is way closer than it actually was. It was a little bit of a late rally that ended up coming up short. But yeah, that that there was talks after the Oklahoma State game that Will Howard should have been the guy, which as one of the biggest Will Howard truthers on this planet ever since he came here, it, it was I wasn't ready to jump on board that yet. And I think it really did take the Baylor game to for me to say, all right, yeah, uh, Adrian, we appreciate what you did. We appreciate what you contributed to the program because he contributed a lot. He contributed a lot more than a lot of people like to not necessarily not like to give him credit for, but then a lot of people know, but after the Baylor game, it was like, yeah, all right. Will Howard's the guy. Yeah. It, it's so funny. Cause you know, I, I have been, a, I, before this year was not a Will Howard guy. And I, I think like it was hard to be, I mean, it, it was, you know, he was he just wasn't good in a lot of the times that we'd seen him before. And look, he's he was younger-ish. And I've mentioned this on a ton of shows, and I'll you know keep saying it, but it there is really no replacement for experience. There really is not. I mean, you see it like we forget that these guys are kids. And I, I'm I'm 25, about to turn 26. Like I'm not too far removed from it. And obviously you're a bit closer to it. But like I think about the person that I was when I was that age, and just like you know, life slowing down for you in some ways, you know, just th things get easier. Like anything that you do, like classes, social life, whatever. The same thing applies to football. Like Max Duggan and Will Howard have just been around and Will Howard is a really physically gifted young man. I mean, that's, that's, he is a big dude. He's got a good arm. He can be accurate. And you saw like the Oklahoma State game, like you mentioned, you know, just the, the, the distribution was, was beautiful. That game it was, it was unbelievable. And I think that, 
that was a sign where it's like, how do you go back from this? And the Baylor game too. I mean, that was one way traffic. That game was never close. It was never a close football game. And I just don't know how you, you, you know, you deviate from that at all. Cause like it, yeah, it was pretty clear at that point to me that, that he was, he was in fact the guy. And, you know, I think we'll be the guy obviously moving forward too. I mean, it's, there's, there's no doubt about that, but it, it was weird. It's circuitous is the right way. Uh, but I think you're right about Martinez too. I think a lot of people talked about like the fact that Colin Klein, not on the field, it's good. You want the guy up top, but also it's good that you can have Will Howard and Adrian Martinez. Everybody kind of mentioned how their interactions on the field oftentimes were like that OC figure, if you will, trying to help the other one out. And I think that's massive both ways. Yeah. And uh, it's, I'm not sure how propagated this has been outside of K-State circles, but they're legitimately best friends with one another. <laughs> like Will, like Adrian, because you, you really expect whenever you bring in a transfer quarterback, if that first quarterback that was there to begin with, if he doesn't transfer out, you kind of expect there to be a little bit of animosity there. And that was never the case. Will accepted Adrian in quickly and Adrian accepted Will not necessarily in like a teacher mentor, like Yoda, Luke Skywalker right. kind of way, but it as like equals. So that way, you know, Adrian has the experience. He could talk to Will. He could talk Will through things even before the season. And Will didn't, you know, he didn't sulk. He didn't say that, oh, well, this, this isn't my job anymore. You know, I don't need to stay at K-State. He stayed here. And there's a lot of news about Will Howard's character and just what kind of guy he is. But if you want the the short version of it, the fact that he stayed, didn't sulk, and then became best friends with the guy who was supposed to quote unquote replace him tells you just about everything about his character that you need to know. Yeah. And also too, I think he took it as a challenge. Like I think, you know, when you bring in a guy like Adrian Martinez, it's a one year type deal, but it just, it is a challenge to you saying like you, we like you. We just don't think you're ready yet. And I think, you know, he did a great job of, I guess, not taking it personally, but like taking it the right way, right? The way where you have to motivate yourself to get better. And he did. And also you know, took advantage of that opportunity and picked the guy's brain because Adrian Martinez has played a ton of football. And that thing eventually did. And, and they did a great job, I thought, of spreading, spreading the ball around, uh, especially on offense. Um, on, on defense, you know, this group was, I think, what a lot of us kind of expected it, right? Like it's just... They had depth everywhere. They had guys in the line of scrimmage. They had guys secondary. They had you know guys at linebacker, and I think it just played itself out where this team was really good for a lot of the time. Uh, you know, maintaining possession, and uh, you know, very good in the ground at times, and also when they had a Will Howard, really good in the air at times. Then defense just kind of, I mean, situationally, it felt like for most of the year. Obviously, TCU game is the one big one. Yeah. defense, they stood up. They they made the plays they had to in, you know, in, the, in some of the bigger moments of the season. Yeah, and whenever you're averaging, you know, your your opponents are only averaging a little under 22 points a game. That's right. that's a pretty successful defense. And I think the, the biggest part about it is, you mentioned it, is depth. You look at just about everywhere on the two deep, and you'll find someone that contributed in some way at mm -hmm. just about every single position. With the exception of, well, no, that – I was going to say the exception of being a strong safety, but even then after Kobe Savage, Kobe Savage goes down, right? Yeah. But you had outside corner, we had a true freshman contributor, Jacob Parrish, someone who no one really saw coming in that, you know, that CB2 position kind of sharing with, with Echo Boydo. And then Julius Brent's obviously contributes to the outside. The, the honestly, the biggest weakness of the defense was kind of that third safety, that Jack safety spot. 
And I think that's ju- that was just towards the end when Josh Hayes, who was the Jack safety, was kind of obviously hobbled, and we were asking him to play a lot of man coverage on a slot fades where he just he didn't have the the long speed to really surrender the leverage that comes with with slot mm-hmm. fades. But even even random walk ons that no one saw coming, like Cody Stuffelbean contributed, Brendan Mott. Ended up he contributed in a big, big way. Whenever Nate Matlick ended up going down and was hobbled throughout the entire year, so everywhere that you look on the K State defense, there was just depth galore, and everyone contributed. Your favorite podcast network, the Locked On Podcast Network, is now partnering with America's number one sports book. That is the FanDuel Sportsbook. We're very excited to be partnering up with them now. The official sports book of Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They've got so many great features that make betting easy and fun. So new customers, join today and get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked On today. Football fans, don't miss out. We've got two more games left. Well, three more, actually with the two championship games that obviously we have the Super Bowl get in on the action at FanDuel. So once again, FanDuel.com slash locked on one $5 bet. You get $150 in free bets. Do it today. Make every moment mean more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And yeah, I, I think that's important. You know, that's the one thing, another thing that we talk about, like the really good programs you know, there, there's depth that like Georgia and Alabama have. That's that's you know, it's a little bit different. And then there's the depth that like a Kansas State has, right? And uh, you know, I would go to say Oklahoma State did not have. I, I mean, they got a ton of injuries, but still, like you are going to have guys go down at some points, and you're going to need guys to step up, and you're going to need to play well. And uh, you know, if you want to keep having successful seasons, like that's how it works. I think that was magnified, especially. I know going back to offense here for a second, but, like the quarterback position, right? Across the entire league this year, two backups were in the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma backup, it sucked. Uh, you know, it, it went horribly. Oklahoma State backup, they're completely different team. Like the teams that had the depth, Texas Tech, top half of the league, mentioned this a bunch, but like that's that applies to a bunch of other positions as well. And that is what wins, I think, in a league like this is having that depth. And I think Kansas State can say that across the board. And that's credit to Chris Kleiman for development on your two deep. Yeah, I, I feel like the only place that you could say we didn't have much depth would be the receiver room. But yes. even then, we still had our our top three, including Cade Warner, which, again, if you would have told me he would have been our – I think he was technically our second most productive receiver this year. At least it felt like it. If you would have told me that, I probably wouldn't have been that optimistic. And that's no disrespect to Cade Warner. I just kind of saw him as a more limited receiver than he actually ended up being. But even then, like – the the top three contributed. That's all we needed. Plus, we had you know big big breakouts from players like Ben Sinnott, again right. another former walk on who in that Baylor game kind of uh, you could argue that he broke out way earlier. But the Baylor game, yeah. I think, is when people were like, "Hmm, wait a minute, he just mossed one of the the better defensive backs in the Big Twelve. What are we? Hmm, that's interesting. Right. Let's go. Let's go with the, the now to the like kind of big picture again. What is like? What does the Big Twelve Championship to you represent? Like, what what is that Big Twelve Championship in twenty twenty two to K State fans represent in terms of where the program is, where it's heading, 
you know, all that kind of stuff in your opinion? Uh, for I'd say, in my opinion, for for K-State fans, what it represents is that we are going to that Chris Kleiman specifically has 100 percent the desire to be the new class of the Big 12. So you have the, the obvious answers in Oklahoma and Texas. They're leaving for the SEC in a year or two. And there's going to be not necessarily a vacuum, but it's going to be interesting to see who kind of steps in. And I think that whoever won the Big 12 this year would have been the most obvious candidate for who's going to fill that that sort of vacuum in the Big 12 to be the class of it. And I think that's a big part of it. I think another part of it is, you know, climate always preaches the power of belief and the fan base actually really, at this point after winning the Big 12 championship has really started to, they've always been behind the program, but it's, it's given it that little extra gear to where, you know, Oh, uh, we we had a sellout streak because we were undefeated in conference play for the longest time, and even after you know beating TC, even after losing to TCU, we we kept that that train going. So I think it's just it, what it means to the fan base is that we are on the the track of of national relevance, at least in terms of the Big Twelve, because we're as it stands right now probably the most obvious candidate to be the very top of the new big 12. So that, that that's my next question. Does Kansas state have the staying power? Because the last three years we have had six different teams in the big 12 championship game. And obviously we, you know, it's, it's not been, there's no, no repeats in there. Iowa state, their group really should have been better last year. They were not uh, Oklahoma got pretty close to the big 12 title game, but did not make it. Then Oklahoma state and Baylor, when they won, really disappointing seasons for them on the next version. I think what's happening right now is we've had a lot of right place, right time teams, a lot of teams that got old and, you know, they nailed the portal, um, built, built depth. Right. I think that's the one thing you'd say about TCU as well. At, at some positions they've, you know, built up a, a really a cache of weapons, a good depth on defense, just much like K state has, but can K State stay there? And I mean, I mean, stay there. I mean, like ten and two, right? Like, how do you stay nine and three, ten and two? Because I think what happens in this league, especially, is that is and really for K State, like that's a seven and five, eight and four, consistent type program. And then you say every four or five years we do the nine and three, ten and two, eleven and one thing, whatever it manifests itself in. How do you stay 9, 10, 11? Because that's the real challenge right now for these big 12 schools because everybody's doing well. Every, every coach is signing a big, you know, big contract, you know, Matt Campbell and then Dave Aranda. And I'm not saying these guys aren't good coaches, right? That's not what I'm saying. I think Kleiman got one too, correct? Did he get a uh, – he, he got an extension a few years ago, but it has a, an auto extension where every time he wins, I believe it's eight games, he gets another year added to his contract. Right. So they, uh, say the, luckily for them, they didn't do the big thing. Sonny Dykes obviously gets one too. So how do you, how does K-State stay at the top? What do you think, obviously besides like repeating success, whatever, but like, what does that look like? Who are the guys that are going to help them do that this year uh, in 2023, you think? I think that the the biggest part of maintaining being the class of any league is going to be recruiting. And if you look to this last year's recruiting class, yeah, you you have the obvious answers for much later down the road, like Avery Johnson, who mm -hmm. I I will I will die on the hill that he should not have been knocked down on the on three consensus. Uh, you have players like Asa Newsom, who actually ended up going right up into the rankings, the linebacker from Iowa. But in the in the more immediate like future, 
I think the biggest part of it is establishing a culture that ensures that you don't bleed players. So mm. obviously with the transfer, because that was a problem for them at one point, right? I mean, a couple, we had yes. the, the max exodus a couple years ago. Yeah. After, after the 2020 season, there was a lot of, of players leaving and it, there's, there are multiple reasons for that. Some of mm. them being not culture fits others, just like thinking that K-State was a, was a sinking ship. But I, I think that the culture that K-State has built now and I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the people who left weren't culture fits, so it kind of was a necessary bullet to bite to mm-hmm. kind of build that culture. You, if you look at the the people who left for the transfer portal and left for the draft from K-State, obviously Deuce hurts. That that really sucks. Yeah. Uh, Felix hurts. But if you look at the people who are coming back, the starting linebacker, Mike linebacker, Daniel Green's returning for his like 87th Huge. season. Huge. He's been... Like he's been playing at K-State since I was like in sixth grade. I don't know how he does it, but it's kind of like the Skylar Thompson of defense. But right. then you have the entire offensive line coming back, including which is someone, massive, which is absolutely massive. massive because Cooper Beebe, the left guard was projected to be a borderline first round pick at the interior line position. Then you have obviously Will, the returning quarterback. You have Philip Brooks, a contributing wide receiver. And whenever you get people staying within the program that are contributors, that attracts more people from the transfer portal. And that's why you can kind of afford to say, you know, you know, third string tight end. Okay, bye. And right. that's where you get pickups like Keegan Johnson, like the receiver from Iowa, like Treshawn Ward. And that's another big part that's given me hope is the culture he's built is really conducive to the transfer portal, which when you think about it, it's very similar to TCU. I think K-State and TCU have very similar paths to being the class of the Big 12. If I would, if I had to bet on it right now, I would say probably TCU and K-State would be the Big 12 championship next year. Obviously, it's way too early to say, mm-hmm. but I think they have similar cultures and similar desires that they have and that makes it more attractive as a destination for the transfer portal to sustain that success yeah and it's and you know there are places where like i think people mention the tc transfers a lot but like they to me they nailed the critical points like it wasn't like oh they got all transfer secondary you know it's it's like no i mean like mark perry and then uh totally forget the kid's name and the, uh, the white kid in the middle i'm totally forgetting the kid's name um uh the linebacker from the guy who played lacrosse at navy i've been saying his name uh, johnny hodges johnny, johnny hodges. hodges yeah johnny hodges yeah um like you get guys like that and like you know and then the uh, kid they had playing you know uh, ollie the center right i mean they, they, they kicked their field at a guard like those are the big three to me those are the three that really stuck out you know as, as things that they they hit and i know newton transferred to they get him in there but like it's all about the critical points of where you hit you know I don't want four or five guys starting on my defense or, you know, let's go like six or seven guys that are transferred. I want the right guys in the right spots. Because I think about like, I think about the K-State and the T- these TCU teams. I mean, you know, Will Howard has been there. Uh, you know, at, at running back, obviously, Deuce Vaughn has been there. Knowles and Brooks, you know, been, I'm not sure if either of those guys are transfers, are they? Are they? Uh- Neither of them are transfers. No. Yeah, neither transfers, right? So, like, they a lot of these guys are homegrown offensive line, right? Same Felix, same thing too. Like, all of these guys, you know, Daniel Green in the middle, all these guys talking about. It's about being in a spot where your your guys that you hit on in the portal are like at certain spots, and that's what the really good programs do. You know what I mean? Like, Jordan, you know, I'm not saying it's this level, but you know, you talked about Missouri, like 
watching Dominic Lovett leading wide receiver in the entire SEC. Georgia's going to need a wide receiver. We just need one guy. Now they're not doing it on that scale, but like it's, you know, it's, you hope it's like, all right, we need a tight end. We need another, you know, our X or Y guy, you know, number one or number two wide receiver. You know, we can go pluck a guy. Like you mentioned, Keegan, I think Keegan Johnson, is that what it is? The, yeah. Know, from Iowa. The transfer from Iowa. Yeah. And he's probably pretty excited to be in a different offense. I can imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, and like, that's, that's the thing is, yeah. With the way, especially K-State, I think TCU is going to be a bit more portal reliant just because, I mean, they're losing the farm this year. <laughs> they really are losing the farm this year, but I think eventually they will become places where like either TCU's ability to select higher level talent will go up. And then K-State is going to be a place where, maybe not selecting Alabama type guys, but they can fill because they like, they're going to have a pedigree of, of winning that will, you know, supersede them, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned Alabama specifically because there actually was a recruiting battle that K-State won going up against Alabama. And that was the Juco transfer corner from, uh, I believe Iowa Western. It was mm. uh, Will Lee because they ended up uh, the, Oh, it was an Alabama Juco. Oh, Malik Benson from Mm. like, it was, that was the Juco national championship game was receiver Malik Benson against Juco corner, uh, Will Lee. Will Lee had committed to K-State, I believe like three or four weeks before, after the national title for Juco, just offers, offers. Mm -hmm. Bama was one of them. And there was a time, and granted, this was only like two days before signing period. So it's not like they got a big run up. But there was time where where there there were nerves, there were genuine nerves. Right. Like, oh, Will Lee's okay. We're going up against Bama, and obviously the it, no disrespect to Bill Snyder, but he was not winning many recruiting battles because he wasn't trying. But right, he, he wasn't trying to recruit. Right, but it was it, it was that that big boost is like okay, we can we can compete with the big boys. Plus, we just got you know probably the best JUCO corner in the nation to replace we just got julius brents too awesome right. and he's younger sick <laughs> right right it, it's important i mean it, it's important I, I chris Kleiman, like it's a process guy and it's you know i think we're seeing right now like oklahoma state's a good example like some of these guys who have their process whatnot it's important that you do um you do kind of modernize you know wh- whatever you're doing right i think like chris Kleiman's done a good job of that because i still think mike gundy's an awesome football coach but like, I don't think, I don't think Mike Gundy has a, I mean, maybe I think on offense, they're having a little bit of X's and O's problem, but like Mike Gundy usually can figure it out. He's got a personnel problem now. And, you know, I think it's funny that we're talking about K-State having that necessary one a couple of years ago. Like I feel more, it's weird. I'm saying this. I feel more comfortable with Chris climbing because I just saw him have that massive turnover and get the job done. And so I, I do think, from a coaching and stability standpoint, you got to feel pretty good. And like, I think people at K-State probably feel pretty good about Chris Kleiman being there for the long haul, right? Yeah, it, it was, there's he's not leaving as long as our current AD is still here. Gene Taylor, so, yeah. yeah, Gene, unless Gene goes somewhere, Kleiman's not going anywhere either. I think that Kleiman's the type of guy who is more willing to put down roots. I The only way that I think Kleiman leaves if Gene Taylor doesn't retire is if Iowa opens up. And I think mm. the Ferenc just roots in Iowa. I think that someone's going to have to die in order for them to leave Iowa. Mm. So I I feel we pretty much the K-State fan base feels pretty good about him being here for the long haul. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ace Edwards, tell people where you can they can find you and your podcast as well. Right. I am Ace Edwards, Austin Edwards. The Ace is short for my entire name. That's why there's no second E. 
You can follow me on Twitter at ACEdwards00. You can follow the show Aggieville Alleycats, where we cover just about everything K-State sports, not just football, not just men's basketball, but women's basketball. We call it catsketball, including up all the way to golf. Yes, we have covered golf multiple times. We're a golf school now. But if you want to listen to the show, it's Aggieville Alleycats on anywhere that you get your podcasts, including just recently starting to re-upload to YouTube in a more video format. But, you know, just if you're more interested in K-State news, just the entire school, please sure to check out, check us out. Connor and I put a lot of effort in making sure that everything gets covered. So it's for the, awesome. the deep K-State fans. It's for the deep K-State fans. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you again soon this offseason. Thank you.